welcome to Singing the Blues. I'm Dom Housen. And I'm James Marriott. Um, so th- there's a pattern emerging here, Dom. We talk about a football match and then it gets called off. Um, second time in a couple of weeks that it's uh, that it's happened. The Swansea game on Saturday falling victim to the weather. All manner of conspiracy theories doing the rounds about this stuff about oh bills not being paid and this not being done and that not being done and turning this off and turning that off. Um, was was it just the weather? Well, the weather would played a, a rather big part in it, definitely. Um, I, I think there were quite a few factors, weren't there? In it, it, it you know, it's emerged that um, the boiler uh, to the undersaw heating um, that. Uh, has gone kaput or is not working at the moment and so that needs to be replaced and there's complications over trying to get that um, sorted. And then you've got the freezing temperatures and conditions that we had in South Yorkshire, Sheffield, particularly last week. I think the Wickham match would have probably fallen foul too had it been a 7.45 kickoff. Um, I, and you know, I think the groundsmen have done it. You know, they did everything that they could to try and get the um, the Swansea match to go ahead. But I, I don't think that it, it was not possible. And then, especially when you've got the sub-zero temperatures that we had on Saturday, and then with Swansea long away trip, I think that you know they they looked at it and when we want to try and make a decision as soon as possible that's fair for sort of both clubs and uh, you know they clearly recognised and saw that late last week that with the freezing temperatures that we had and everything that we were up against it wasn't going to be possible to get the Swansea match to be played I, I don't I personally don't have a problem with games being called off quite early because it gives you time to plan to do something else it's like it's ones that are called off at the last minute that I particularly have a problem with and it would have been uh yeah very unfair particularly in the situation that we're in with kind of lockdown and travel and stuff like that if Swansea made the journey here and then turned out that the game was off so fair play for um making it a, an early call I did think as well that that I mean it could be a blessing in disguise in terms of the fact that it was quite obvious, wasn't it, in the Wickham game that the, the pitch is not in a brilliant state. So the pitch having a little bit of a rest and a bit of time for them to, you know, try and, and, and kind of get that back to something like kind of a playable state is not a bad thing. So potentially blessing in disguise. Well, it could be. Uh, but then I, I actually think we saw the negative of Wednesday not continuing and keeping up the momentum that they built, especially at home, by then that being yeah. called off and then having essentially a full week to prepare for Stoke. And you, you would have thought that that would have maybe played into Wednesday's hands, but actually it was the exact opposite, if anything. You know, they looked like the team that were tired and you know, jaded in that second half, especially, and it was a big match for Stoke, wasn't it? You know, they were on a poor run and so they needed that win badly and they made five changes and you could still see the strength and depth of the squad that they have. Uh, and I think what we've seen really um, is with the Jekyll and Hyde nature of Wednesday, I think they're being found a little bit wanting, aren't they, um, when it comes to resources and it's those backup and fringe players and managers maybe not trusting them enough, really, isn't it? I think that we, we're, we're certainly seeing that at the moment of where 
it was no surprise that Neil Thompson named an unchanged side against mm. Stoke. You know, you had to really after the way they performed against Wickham. But yeah. um, it's then those it's those players still coming on to make a difference uh, and and looking around and thinking. Wednesday, they don't have the quality and the match winners that they had a few years ago of where they could have maybe thrown on a Lucas Schwell, Fernando Forestieri. They had Stephen Fletcher and Gary Hooper in the ranks, you know, from four or five years ago. And and I think still sometimes that's where, yeah, it's difficult, isn't it, for Wednesday really to replace like for like. It does feel like we're not in that position to to kind of change a game, to kind of step things up, turn the screw a little bit. And um, it, it was a bit of an odd game, wasn't it, against Stoke? Because I think first half, Wednesday didn't look too bad. I thought, you know, it was a, it was a decent first half performance. And then second half just seemed completely flat. Like there was just there was just nothing. There was no kind of there was no intent it was one of those where you feel like they could probably still be playing now and just would not just wouldn't have scored for whatever reason it really just wasn't happening second half what 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 kind of change what is that was it down to Stoke just like you know turning it on a little bit because they I mean they'd been on a fairly terrible run it was the kind of game that you know if 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 things were reversed would have been saying got to beat a team that's in the bottom three so it was it was huge for Stoke to get that victory but it felt like we sort of handed it to them on the plate a little bit they upped their game in the second half so I think you've got to give them credit and yeah you know they played on the front foot and were aggressive uh, and start to win the individual battles didn't they and I thought that they ran Wednesday ragged at times um, at the back and you know Azazi Irigidi I thought was Wednesday's best player in the first half and then I, I thought all of the defence found it really tough going after the break and Stoke asked a lot of questions of Wednesday and had it not been for Kieran Westwood who pulled off you know, two or three good saves you know, Stoke would have scored a lot earlier than what they did but you're right, I think that first half there was nothing in it and it was a bit of a nothing affair really um, and you're thinking that it was only going to be you know, one piece of inspiration. Or, you know, you, you, you thought for most of the match it was going to be only one goal in it, and that's you know how it transpired. And, and I think Wednesday would be disappointed with the goal that they have given away. You know, like Callum Patterson for the ball that's gone into the box. He's then his body shape is all wrong, and I, I'm pretty sure it's him who actually then heads it on for Stephen Fletcher, who can't believe his luck from six, seven yards out. It's, it's, I mean, it was written in the stars, wasn't it, that Stephen Fletcher was going to score the goal? Um, you know, that we all saw that a mile off. The number of people I saw on Twitter who'd put a bet on Stephen Fletcher to score and were kind of cashing in on, uh, on that. But it, it did also feel a little bit like this kind of old Wednesday sort of thing whereby, you know, Stoke have not won. This year, however many days it, it was, but they've not won for ages. Uh, and, you know, you can kind of see them ticking off the fixtures, getting down to Wednesday, thinking, oh, well, at least we've got that one in the bag. Because we, we do have this tendency of just handing games to teams on terrible runs. I, I, I can't even begin to try and contemplate what we say about how we try and fix that. But 
you know, we, we looking slightly ahead, we've got Birmingham coming up on Saturday who are on an almightily bad run. And that game is huge. We, we can't keep doing this. We can't keep like coming up against teams who are in bad form and, and just, you know, on a plate saying, there you go, kickstart your season, three points, jobs are good. And this has got to stop. We've got to find a way of stopping this. They have. And the away form it has been a huge problem, worry all season. And it, when you look at and break down the figures of the amount of matches away from home when they haven't scored in and the, one of the lowest scorers in the league. And so it puts so much pressure on that first goal. And we know the first goal is huge in the championship, but it especially is for Sheffield Wednesday on the road. And the stats are there too on when they go behind, they haven't won and this season and they haven't won a match since was it Brentford at home in 2019 so we're going back 15 16 months and that comes down to quality issue that we were talking about before and that sort of character that you need and resilience on the road and we're not we haven't seen anywhere near enough of that and when they've got to somehow turn that around they can't keep relying on the amazing home form that they've had uh, you know this season where they've only lost three times and they've won five on the spin. You know, it's been terrific, but it's too Jekyll and Hyde. It's too up and down, isn't it, right now, James? And it, and it has to be resolved. And, yeah, I think actually the stat that I, I looked at earlier this week that probably most alarms me right now is I think it's now nine goals that Wednesday have conceded in the last quarter of an hour of, of football matches. So that points to... Lack of concentration, maybe a fitness factor in there, a number of things. And again, can they turn that around? Can they change that? Can they stop conceding so many late goals? Um, gonna how have to, how gonna long have we been business. saying this for, Dom? How long? I, I, I Honestly, as far back as I can remember, we've been bemoaning Wednesday loss of concentration late in games. I mean, we've had about like like four managers or something in, in, from, from when this pattern started of giving away goals late in, in games. And, um, you know, it just, it just carries on. I, I, I'm not, it's all right sitting here saying we've got to stop doing it. Like it, we're clearly not, are we? Cause it's, it's just something that's ingrained in this set of players. It, it seems to be at the moment. Um, you want to try and sort of keep the perspective, don't you, of where it was a disappointing result and performance, especially second half at Stoke. Um, but then results in midweek, as they did last weekend, they went for them. And there's still only the one-point gap. Um, but they have to find a formula away from home. And the, the reason why there's so much attention and pressure on this Birmingham fixture is that you then look at the two away matches after Birmingham at Brentford and Luton, and you, you really wouldn't put your house on Wednesday picking up many points from those two games. It, you know, with, with Brentford, yeah, they've had a dip of late, um, but, you know, such a strong side. And we all remember what happened the last time Wednesday played Brentford in their own backyard. Yeah, they've moved stadium, mm-hmm. but they've, they've got so many talented players there. And then, let's, and not, then, let's not relive and that. Then look at Luton. Look at Luton as well, where you know, Wednesday have got a rotten record recently uh, against them. So this is why Birmingham, I think, 
takes on sort of epic proportions, doesn't it? If if Wednesday just win their home games for the rest of the season, would that be enough to stay up? Is it going to pick up any points away I from think, home, or would we would we be more or less all right just with you know win one lose one? I think they've gone. Was it nine home matches, including Birmingham? Um, so yeah, they, for me they'd be safe. Of course, would yeah. So twenty seven points add that onto the twenty eight, they'd be bang unlucky to go down with 55 points. And I, I think... It could be one of those seasons though, couldn't it? Because it is shaping up like ev- everyone around there is kind of picking up points here and there and it, it feels a bit like that season when Peterborough went down on 54 or whatever it was and it, it's, it has got shades of that potential again for the, you know, whoever goes down is going to go down with a half-decent points score by the looks of it. Yeah, it, it's pointing to that. Um, and it comes back to what I've been banging on about and saying in previous pods, James, of where, to some extent, it's in Wednesday's hands when you look at all the, the teams that they've got to come and play at Hillsborough. Um, you know, so loads of teams down there. Uh, and it could be those fixtures that determine their fate. Uh, and if they don't get a healthy points return from Rotherham's coming up and then they've got Huddersfield at home, and Birmingham tomorrow, then, yeah, you know, I think it could be curtains um, unless something dramatic happens now with the away form between now and and May. Okay, we'll talk about games coming up in a minute. Uh, A couple of players for us to um, talk about and a couple of of, of very different outcomes regarding players this week. So we uh, found out in the aftermath of the Stoke defeat, perhaps not entirely unexpected, uh, Liam Shaw signing this pre-contract agreement and he's off to Celtic. There's a lot being said about this. Clearly, everyone kind of has an opinion about it. And there seems to be a real divide from those people who are quite quite annoyed about this, a little bit outraged, think, you know, he's, he's, he's a Wednesday fan. He's come through the ranks. Um, you know, why is he kind of jumping ship at the first, you know, kind of bigger offer that comes along? And then the flip side of that, which is where I am really in terms of saying, I kind of, I don't feel like I can blame him because there's, you know, the lure there of, of playing European football. And also, you know, we, 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 I don't want to kind of go over all ground, but we know at the moment things aren't all that rosy in, in terms of what the future looks like at, at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, and, you know, we've got no idea what contract was put on the table for him or anything like that. But I kind of feel like the lad's got to kind of do what he's got to do. And, and if that means, you know, going off and, and his career going in a different direction, I can't, I can't blame him for, for that. I think it's fair dues. I've listened, written lots about this this week um, and I share very similar views to you, James, only I'm sure in that I can see both sides of the argument. Um, and when you look at it, we weren't talking this time last year about Wednesday must tie Liam Shaw down to a new long-term contract. You know, he is the next big thing. He is going to be a huge part of Wednesday's future. He hadn't played for Sheffield Wednesday, hadn't started a league match until the final game of last season. So for context, I think that's very important. Um, But then this is where I think you, you, 
it, it's difficult not to criticise, I think, the club in that it was quite clear that he was starting to establish, establish himself at the back end of last season and going into the summer and the start of this season. And so you do feel as if the, the club, they should have moved quicker to certainly mm. offer him a new contract. I'm not saying that that would have guaranteed that they would have kept him and he would have signed and he would have stayed on. Uh, but it was it was pretty obvious that Gary Monk was a big fan of him. Um, and so Sheffield Wednesday, we've been here before. The different circumstances with George Hurst and with Sean Clare, um, you know, those are the two most recent ones, but you could go back under previous regimes of only 10 years ago with Hayden White. It's, it's the same of where, you know, Wednesday've offered contracts to, to youngsters. But I do feel with the Liam Shaw instance that, you know, Wednesday, my, my understanding is that they only started to sort of open up contract talks with Shaw over the Christmas period. Uh, and for, and so you're then leaving yourself open for something like this to happen, where yep. you know Celtic and Scottish clubs, clubs north of the border, they can start to have conversations with players about pre-contract deals. And, and so Celtic have looked at it and thought that they could get a talented young player for peanuts. And I think that's what hurts. That's what hurts, I think, the most, is that, again, you're looking at a compensation fee of around 300 grand for sure, and that's nowhere near where his actual market value would be if he was tied down for another year or two. You're talking, I don't know, anywhere in between at least a million to two million. Let's go with that conservatively. So it's it's the fact that Wednesday have lost a good young player at such a modest fee. And and it's at a, a point where it's not like money is unimportant to Sheffield Wednesday right now. Every football club, money is important right now because times are, are particularly hard, so that's significant. There's a couple of things that, that stand out to me about it. And, and um, one is what you kind of said there about you know, we'd not heard of him a year ago, but that's why we have a youth setup. Like there should be, there should be a setup whereby we're able to identify the players that have clearly got something about them, and we can, you know, get them tied down to the to the right sort of of contract. You know, we see clubs do this, and and sometimes, you know, you you you'll tie someone down to a contract, and they maybe don't realise the potential, and they end up going out on loan. And we've seen that with some of the players that felt like they were around the club for for years and years without really kind of making an impact on the first team. I'm thinking of players like Jack Stobbs and players like that who you know were kind of knocking around for a, a bit and it just didn't happen and ended up out on loan and and then obviously end of the contract and and and, and on their way you know when when you're signing someone up who's a, a young player who's not made an impact on the first team you're not going to be talking about significant huge amounts of money so it kind of feels like a bit of a no-brainer so that's an issue and the other is just our our record when it comes to bringing younger players through it's really, really poor. Like we've got to look at that and figure out why. Why is it just not happening for Sheffield Wednesday? You know, the players. Yeah, you know, we, we talk about um, um, Asazi as being someone that you know we've got to get him tied down to a contract. Now he didn't even come through our youth system. He was someone that we signed after being released by AFC Wimbledon. Like we're not, you know, we, we, we that that's a lot of people think that he's someone that we brought through our ranks, and he's just not. Like we aren't. 
we just don't seem to be getting a return for for that academy right now. And maybe it takes a bit more time, but the players that have come through that have looked quite promising have moved on. And it's like, well, what's what's the point in having it if that's how it works? Like it just I don't know, it just feels like there's something not right in that setup. It doesn't seem to be achieving what academy academy should be achieving, which is bringing through good young players who can play a role for the club or bringing through good young players who are moved on a, a, you know, a healthy profit that the club can then reinvest. We've kind of got the worst of all worlds. What I would say, James, is that I think we're now starting to at least see a pathway for youngsters. And so in the last few years, I think it, it, you could maybe go back to when Jos Lukai was in charge, actually. So we've seen more of the yeah. academy players. They are getting opportunities now in the first team. Um, yeah. But Wednesday is not which learning. Which is good, you're right, yeah. which is good. Yeah, which is, yeah. Good. Which is a positive. Um, and, but you're right, though, in that there, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done and lessons have to be learned on how Wednesday maximise their academy um, so that they're, if, if they're producing players for their first team ideally that's what you want and then for them to be a big success or if not you're then wanting them to generate big fees should you decide to cash in and and so that's you know where you know the two best youngsters that Wednesday have produced in the last three to four years in George Hurst and Liam Shaw they, you know, a lot of people would argue that they've come way too soon. Like they have, right? and and you know, and we're only going to see, aren't we, in time whether Liam Shaw's made the right move uh, and going to Celtic, and whether it'll work out. Will he be a first team regular there? And and you've got to also put into the, the melting pot that you know, for all the abuse or for some of the abuse that Liam Shaw has has had online this week since sort of confirmation of the deal. Celtic are a massive football club um, and it pains you to say it, but they are, it is a step up from Sheffield Wednesday. He's got more chance of winning trophies at Celtic. He's got you know, the opportunity to play European football. He's, he's going to be earning more money financially at this stage of his career than in, yeah. in reality, what he's going to be getting paid at Sheffield Wednesday. So, I, I, you know, how can you really knock the lad? I, I don't think you can. You, you're right. And uh, th- there's an entire setup around that, that football club as well at, at Celtic that means that, you know, he will learn, he will be able to progress. Um, and, you know, wh- whatever his you know future aims and ambitions are, I think it, it gives him, frankly, a better chance of achieving them. Just incidentally, you, you touch on there about the abuse that, that Liam Shaw's got. And, I, and I've not been hugely active on Twitter this week, so I haven't seen it, but I've heard people mentioning it, which is just utterly utterly deplorable and 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 so like in the world at the moment there's been so much talk about players footballers you know mainly on grounds of racism but you know we're talking regardless of what the the circumstances are um players getting abuse on um twitter for ultimately doing what they think is the right thing 
to do and doing what is their job is is i think just uh just horrendous and, and awful and i think there's a few people that, that need to have a look at themselves with some of the stuff that's uh that's kind of being said this week let's move it on to a more positive note um and i was a bit surprised at this i've got to be honest because i wasn't sure that he would be sticking around barry bannon signing a new is it two-year extension to his um contract so um obviously captain of the football club um i guess we'd now call him a long-serving player at, at sheffield wednesday um and yeah it took me by surprise a bit this because i i wasn't expecting it, it do you know what uh, you know fair play to Barry, and that he made it clear from the outset that you know he wanted to sign a new deal, um, and he said that weeks and weeks ago uh, that he was confident it was going to get done, um, and that you know he said that regardless of what division Sheffield Wednesday are going to be in next season, that he wants to stay and commit you know commit his future to the club, and um, you, you just got to hope, haven't you, that now some of the other first-team players that Wednesday are in talks with and looking to get tied down, that they're going to be persuaded to stay and not look to jump ship either. Um, I think that what we've got to say is that Bannon is still, for me, Sheffield Wednesday's most important player, I think, in that you know he is the creative hub of that midfield. And... You, you, the assist return that he has, he doesn't score enough goals. And I think that's what we've always said has held him back from playing in the Premier League. But um, he, he cares deeply about the club. Um, if, you know, like the fans adore him. And, I, you know, I think that it's exactly sort of the positive news that Wednesday needed after the sort of Liam Shaw saga, uh, you know, it couldn't have come at a better time, really, as I think, you know, you were getting a lot of negativity. So the fact that you know, Barry Bannon has said he's going to be at Sheffield Wednesday, whatever happens next year and until 2023, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's a big boost, without a doubt. Yeah, it's 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 big news, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, leading by example. Hopefully, you know, we will see some of the other players that we know we want to to keep and uh, be part of the future of the football club. Hopefully, following um, following suit. So then, um, uh, big big week ahead. We say this every week, but we are heading into another really vital, uh, pivotal game um, against Birmingham. I, th- I think so far in the last, certainly in the last few weeks, when we've talked about that big must-win game, Wednesday have actually come up with the goods. Um, and so, you know, we, we take a bit of hope from that. I don't know why I've got this awful feeling about the game on Saturday. I've not had it for, for a few weeks, but there's this awful cloud lingering in my mind. I think it's just because Birmingham are in such bad form. Can't put a finger on it. Um, but huge game. And then... Off, off to Brentford. We, we touched on it earlier. Obviously, horrible memories of the trip there um, last season. As you say, they've, they've moved stadium. But Birmingham, actually, uh, but, sorry, Brentford just hitting a little bit of a bad run of form. Lost their last two against teams that you wouldn't necessarily expect Brentford to lose against. But still second in the table, and we, that is a dangerous, dangerous team. And we know all too well just how dangerous that team is. Yeah, Brentford are formidable opposition um, and their model um, and their way of 
selling players, moving them on, and then they have direct replacements uh, pretty much there, straight away there. And um, they, they have an eye for on the recruitment side, don't they? And Ivan Tony's been a, an absolute revelation, hasn't he, for them this season? He's scored 20 plus goals already. Um, so he's been superb for them. And yeah, it's going to be a big test, you know, for for Wednesday. And you, you snatch your hand off for the draw at Brentford. And um, they've, they've got to get the result against Birmingham. It's as simple as that for me. And, you know, Birmingham are on a rotten run, as you've touched on. I think it's one win in the last 14. You, you look at their forward line. They've had success before against Wednesday. They've Lukas Jukovic and Scott Hogan. Um, so, yeah, Wednesday should be well aware of that. Um, it, it, it's a banana skin. And, and also, you know, their manager's under huge pressure. You know, Birmingham, mm. I think if they don't win tomorrow, then there's a strong possibility that Iolta Karanka might get the sack there. So, the yeah. pressure's on for both teams. And, and I don't expect it to be a great spectacle. But no one really cares as long as Wednesday get the job done. Absolutely. It is one of those where it just doesn't matter. It's about getting the three points. If if we're going on a, on our new model that we've come up with here about um, winning the, the home games is the important thing, three points from the week ahead would be all right. I, it, it just feels like winning the Birmingham match is all that matters. Brentford, anything there would just be a bonus. Yeah, no, that is how I feel about it. Absolutely, yeah. Um, for Wednesday, beat Birmingham, keep the home form going. And what we've seen from Wednesday under Neil Thompson is that actually every time they have had a setback, and this is where we can take confidence, is that there's then been that strong response. We saw it against Wickham. And, yeah, he's pulled no punches really this week, Neil Thompson. He's been very critical of the performance that, that they put in in that second half against Stoke. And I'm expecting there to be a few changes. Uh, and I, I don't know, really. I mean, I suppose I want to ask you, James, like what, what team do you think Wednesday should go with, will go with this weekend? Who would you be looking to bring in? I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I guess the question there, and, and you've done a lot about this uh, this week, haven't you? And, and, and got some very mixed reactions about whether or not Liam Shaw should um, play. I, I, as far as I'm concerned, it's just about playing the best players that we've got now to give us the best chance of getting the results we need. So I, I, I don't see any problem at all with um, Neil um, with Neil Thompson playing. What with uh, with Neil Thompson? playing Liam Shaw if he feels that he's the right player. He, he, he can play Neil Thompson, can play Neil Thompson if he thinks that it's, a, it's the right, it's the right thing. Um, I, I can't, I, I'm not, I'm not sure that there's any, there's any need at this point to start fiddling formation wise again. Um, that, that kind of feels like it's been working. And you see, if, it, it sort of feels like if we'd have made changes and lost that game at Stoke, that we'd be saying there's justification there. Just go back to that starting lineup from the game against Wickham because it, it worked and it's a similar sort of game against Birmingham. But that was the same lineup as played against Stoke. So, um, don't know. Tough, tough call. I, I kind of want to say let's keep faith with those with those players because they did come up with the goods against Wickham and. It's a similar scenario. I just think with all the matches Wednesday have got coming up, that 
it might be an idea to rest a few. And so I, I've suggested as a sort of predicted team that Wednesday could maybe go with, and I know it's never a popular choice, but maybe Peri Pessi comes back into midfield. We know that Neil Thompson likes to play a sitting midfielder. And, and so if Azazi Origidi, who has sort of played a couple of matches, then been taken out of the firing line, that's really what's happened a lot over the last month. So it might be that Origidi is you know, given a rest. And so then you could put Hutchinson back into defence, maybe bring Peri Pessi into midfield. I just think maybe it needs freshening up a little bit. And that's why I would, I'd even consider dropping Callum Patterson as well. You know, he he's played a lot of minutes this season. And you've got Josh Windass there, who's hardly had a kick. Um, he's not started a match in over a month. So, you know, Josh Windass mm-hmm. is fresh there. I'd stick with Jordan Rhodes. I would not be taking Jordan Rhodes out. You know, everyone bangs on about all the time of how he needs a long run in the team. Well, let's give it him now. You know, he's, he's started a few in a row. And so let's let's give him another two or three and see how he does. Um, but maybe I would make changes elsewhere. Yeah, I can see I can see the justification for for that. Um I'm I'm not I'm not in any way gonna pretend that I'm excited about the idea of um Joey Pallipessi coming back into the team. I, I'm not sure that, you know, his his cameo performance on uh, on midweek particularly fills me with any confidence but um yeah we'll uh, we will see it's obviously down to neil thompson what he decides to go what direction he decides to go in i i wonder whether or not the game is going to think about resting players will be brentford on the basis of the fact that we don't expect to get anything from it so maybe that's where he plays the players that maybe feel like they've got something to prove but um yeah, we'll we'll see what uh, what unfolds. Uh, that's going to wrap us up for this week. You can catch Dom at Dom Housen. I'm at James Marriott. You can contact the show at Dom and James. Big thank you, big big thank you to our gold partners who we love dearly. Title Law Solicitors, who you can find at TitleLaw.co.uk, and Wednesday Picks available to download now. If you head to the show notes, that's like the fancy written stuff that's uh, that's with this episode, then you will find the link to download Wednesday Picks. Play along, and uh, you could win some uh, some nice extra money um this weekend thank you for joining us if you like singing the blues please rate and review the show in your podcast app up the owls and see you next week 